Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I'm your host and narrator, spring Jack, and we're going to get started today after just a few brief disclaimers. First of all, the show might offend you. If you're easily offended, please turn the show off and spare me the negative reviews on the podcast store, or the iTunes store, whatever the fuck you call it, uh, because you won't like the show. This is your first and final warning. Second, I use advertisements in this show that I do not own the rights to. They are the creative property of Rockstar Games. That is all. Adrenaline junkie? Fitness fanatic? Athlete? Isn't it time you tried Ego Chaser and took things to the limit? The official energy bar sponsor of extreme sports like base jumping, kite surfing, sandboarding, free climbing, helicopter parkour, wingsuit flying, big wave surfing, snowmobile accidents, biathlons, triathlons, and 100-mile ultramarathons. You press it to the limit. You're a super athlete, even though you have an office job and a family you ignore. You don't have time for real friends or to eat proper meals. You're a warrior. You're in training for what? Who knows? But one thing we do know, you don't even need food. You need fuel. You need calories to burn. And the Ego Chaser Energy Bar delivers. Ego Chaser. Pump yourself up. Let yourself go. It's time to go past the limit. It's not even the limit. It's the energy bar that's all about you. How big is your Ego Chaser? That's the drink of the streets. Alcohol. What's up? For real, motherfuckers. You Marketed at now, homie. Oh, Alcohol is a unique malt beverage. A combination of everything that makes a memorable evening. Malt liquor and caffeine. Malt liquor. Malt liquor, caffeine. Janky than a motherfucker. It's just a little cuckoo throwing. It's a good time blackout in a can. What's up? You blacking out, asshole. I'm blacking out. Alcohol keeps the party going. Even if you won't remember any of it. So today's episode was actually a listener request, which I don't do very often, but I try to when I feel I can make an episode out of it. This might not be a full-length episode, I haven't decided yet, but hopefully you enjoy it. Today we're going to be talking about the Cecil Hotel in beautiful Skid Row, Los Angeles. So, nestled within the busy streets of downtown Los Angeles lies one of the most infamous buildings in local horror lore, and that is the Cecil Hotel. Since its opening, since the opening of its doors in 1927, the Cecil Hotel has been plagued with unfortunate and mysterious circumstances that have given it perhaps an unparalleled reputation for the macabre. At least 16 different murders, suicides, and unexplained paranormal events have taken place at the hotel. Uh, imagine the jerk-off motion when I say paranormal events. I have a theory about this place that I've come to after uh, reading no shortage of fucking Reddit armchair paranormal investigators' take on it. I have a theory, and I think my theory's pretty sound. I'll get to that. Uh, And it's even served as a temporary home of some of America's most notorious serial killers. One of America's most notorious serial killers for... Sake of the truth. <laughs> okay, the grand opening of the Cecil Hotel. It was built in 1924 by Hotel William Banks Hanner. It was supposed to be a destination hotel for international businessmen and social elites. Hanner spent at least a million dollars. It's more probably more along the lines of a million and a half, based on other research that I did, which in today's money would be about 15 million, I think thereabouts. 
On the 700-room Beau Art Style Hotel, complete with a marble lobby, stained glass windows, palm trees, uh, marble statuettes, and opulent staircases. But Hanner would come to regret his investment, as many people in this time did, because just two years after the Cecil Hotel was opened, the world was thrown into the Great Depression, and Los Angeles, despite what some people might tell you, was not immune to the economic collapse. Soon enough, the area surrounding the Cecil Hotel was dubbed Skid Row, and it, be- uh, it became... I don't know how to describe it to people that aren't there, but it, it's like a like a mecca of homeless people. Uh, at at times, I believe they've had upwards of ten thousand people just camped out in tent cities along the street. It's a, it's rough. Uh, it's kind of it's the shittiest part of town. The once beautiful hotel soon gained a reputation as a meeting place for junkies, runaways, vagrants, and scud bottom criminals. Worse yet, the Cecil Hotel ultimately earned a reputation for violence and death, but that's uh, to be determined in my book. I think I'll get into my theory later. In the 1930s alone, the Cecil was home to at least six reported suicides. A few of the residents took cyanide while they shot themselves, slit their own throats, or jumped out of bedroom windows. For instance, in 1934, Army Sergeant Louis Borden slashed his throat with a razor. Less than four years later, Ray Thompson of the Marine Corps jumped from atop the Cecil Hotel and was found in the skylight of a neighboring building. I believe that's easily explained. Uh, One of the... I'm not going to say it's one of the worst problems, but a huge problem in this country is veteran suicide, especially following a massive war like our uh, 20-year Trashkanistan campaign or World War I, for example. The aftercare the um the aftercare that we have for veterans in this country is fucking shameful and veterans veteran suicide is a huge problem and it's going to surge in times following wars regardless anyway the next few decades only saw more violent deaths in september 1944 19 year old dorothy jean purcell woke up in the middle of the night with stomach pains this one's one of my favorites while she was staying at the cecil with ben levine who was 38 She went to the bathroom as not to disturb her sleeping Levine, and to her complete shock, gave birth to a baby boy. She had no idea that she had been pregnant. And if any of you female listeners want to explain how the fuck that happens, I'm all ears. Because I've watched the show, but it just seems like hillbillies shitting babies into toilets. I don't fucking understand how you can not know you're pregnant. Aren't there uh, some pretty unmistakable physical signs? I mean, I thought there were, but... I've never been pregnant, so what would I know? Mistakenly thinking her newborn was dead, Purcell threw her live baby out of the window and onto the roof of the building next door. At her trial, as you might imagine, she was found not guilty of murder by reason of insanity and was admitted to a hospital for psychiatric treatment. In 1962, 65-year-old George Giannini was walking by the Cecil Hotel, which I don't know why you would do, not because of the Cecil Hotel, but because of the uh, transients in the area. He was walking by the Cecil Hotel with his hands in his pockets when he was struck to death by a falling woman. Pauline Oton, 27, jumped from the ninth floor window after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. Her fall killed both her and Giannini instantly. 
Police initially thought the two had committed suicide together, but reconsidered when they found that Giannini was still wearing his shoes. Here's a fun fact for you. If he had jumped, his shoes would have fallen off mid-flight. In light of the suicide's mishaps and murders, people from Los Angeles promptly dubbed the Cecil the most haunted hotel in Los Angeles. Uh, I've never heard that. I'm reading an article, by the way. Uh, I always heard it called the suicide, but (laughs) I uh, used to hang out with some interesting people. While tragic calamities and suicide have contributed heavily to the hotel's body count, the Cecil Hotel has also served as a temporary home for some of the grisliest murders in American history. In the mid-1980s, Richard Ramirez, the uh, Los Angeles' famous murderer of 13 people and better known as the Night Stalker, lived in a room on the top floor of the hotel during much of his horrific killing spree. After killing somebody, he would often throw his bloody clothes into the Cecil's dumpster and saunter into the hotel lobby, either completely naked or in his underwear. None of which raised an eyebrow. Because the Cecil in the 80s was unmitigated fucking chaos. At the time, Ramirez was able to stay there for a mere $14 a night. And with corpses of junkies reportedly often found in the alleys near the hotel and sometimes even in the hallways, Ramirez's blood-soaked lifestyle surely raised no eyebrows at the Cecil. Speaking of serial killers, in 1991, Australian serial killer Jack Untwidger, who strangled prostitutes with their own bras, also called that hotel home. Rumor has it he chose the hotel because of the connection to Ramirez, but that remains to be seen. It's more likely, from more of my research, that it's because the area around the hotel is popular. I didn't do in-depth research, but because the Cecil Hotel and the area surrounding it's popular with prostitutes. Uh, Untmajur liked to stalk him from time to time and search for his victims, based on my reading. One prostitute he is believed to have killed vanished right down the street from the hotel, while Untmajur even claimed to have dated the hotel's receptionist. Nice. And on that charming note, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back soon. At Bravado, we don't just make cars. We make America. Farms, fields, football, and getting together with some old friends. It's a diner where the waitress knows your name and gives you a hand job. It's a parade down Main Street with children cheering as their parents' jobs get outsourced overseas to be done by illiterate kids. It's a slow-motion shot of your kids running happy on a beach, ignoring the dead mammals and stricken seabirds washing up from the latest oil spill. Our fires burn bright, especially when you're breaking apart furniture and burning it in a barrel to keep warm while your wife turns tricks to buy food. We know America is hurting. We're in this together, which is why we want you to tell your congressman to approve our newest bailout. Bravado. United we stand. Together we fall. What's the greatest decade in American history? The 1920s. We led the world in literature, aviation, music, and entertainment. Today, this country's a piece of dog shit. Let's bring back the glories of the jazz age by recreating the conditions that turned America into a superpower. The noble experiment is worth trying again. Vote yes on Proposition 14. Bring back Prohibition and usher America into a new golden age. 
Let's talk about cold cases at the Cecil Hotel, shall we? Goddamn, I don't know about you guys, but I love that fucking uh, Dodge commercial. It's a bravado, whatever the fuck it was called. It's a Dodge commercial. Uh, Anyway, cold cases. While some episodes of violence in and around the Cecil Hotel are attributed to known serial killers, some murders have remained unsolved. To pick one of many, a local woman known around the area as Goldie Osgood was found dead in her ransacked room at the Cecil. Unfortunately, she had been raped before suffering a fatal stabbing and beatdown. Though one suspect was found walking with bloodstained clothing nearby, he was later cleared and her killer was never convicted. Let that be a lesson to what a shithole this area is. He was walking in bloodstained clothing nearby and cleared. A shithole. Another instance of disturbing violence at the Cecil that has gone unresolved. Another grimly noteworthy guest of the hotel was Elizabeth Short, who became known later, post-mortem, as the Black Dahlia after her 1947 murder in Los Angeles, which I'm sure you guys are all very well aware of. She reportedly stayed at the hotel just before her violent mutilation, which still to this day remains unsolved. What connection her death may have had to the Cecil is un is unknown, but what is known now is that she was found on the street not far away on the morning of January 15th with her mouth carved ear to ear and her body hacked in two. And unfortunately, such stories of violence are not simply a thing of the past. This story has been beaten to death, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but decades after Elizabeth Short, one of the most mysterious, mysterious deaths ever to take place at the Cecil happened as recently as 2013. 2013, Canadian college student Eliza Lamb was found dead inside the water tank on the roof of the hotel three weeks after she'd gone missing. Her naked corpse was found after hotel guests had complained of bad water pressure and a funny taste to the water. Though authorities ruled her death as an accidental drowning, critics believe it to be otherwise. You can watch hotel surveillance footage of Eliza Lamb before her disappearance pretty much anywhere on the internet because, like I said, those armchair fucking conspiracy theorists about true crime love talking about it. Before her death, surveillance cameras caught Lamb acting strangely in an elevator, at times appearing to yell at somebody out of the view of the camera, as well as apparently attempting to hide from somebody while pressing multiple elevator buttons and waving her arms erratically. Ugh. I don't know. It sounds like she got a hold of some of that good shit they sell down there and was tripping her fucking balls off. Or perhaps she was dosed, which is more likely. But even that, I don't necessarily think is the case. Uh, Mental illness manifests in all sorts of fun ways, and I don't think she was a stranger to mental illness. Although I don't know her, but just my theory. After the video surfaced publicly, many people began to believe that the rumors of the hotel being haunted might be true. Horror aficionados began drawing parallels between the Black Dahlia murder and Lamb's disappearance, pointing out that both the women were in their 20s, traveling alone from Los Angeles to San Diego, last seen at the Cecil Hotel, and were missing for several days before their body was found. Thin are what these connections sound like to me, but nevertheless, thanks in part to the internet, the hotel has nevertheless developed a reputation for horror that defines its legacy to this day. Unfortunately. The last body, uh, at least as far as this article is concerned, was found at the hotel in 2015, a man who reportedly committed suicide. 
and ghost stories and rumors of the hotel's haunting swirled once more. The hotel even subsequently served as the chilling inspiration for a season of American Horror Story, the one called Hotel. Uh, it's also partially based on fucking H.H. H. Holmes' murder hotel, but nobody wants to talk about that. But in 2011, the Cecil attempted to shake off its macabre history by rebranding itself as the Stay on Main Hotel and Hostel, a $75 a night budget hotel for tourists that don't know any better. Several years later, New York City developed New York City developers signed a 99-year lease and began gut renovating the building to include an upscale boutique hotel and hundreds of fully furnished micro units in keeping with the surging co-living craze. Ugh. Perhaps with enough renovations, the Cecil can finally shake its reputation for all things bloody and eerie that have defined the ill-fated building for a better part of the century. So let's talk about some of the death. Because I know that's what you sick fucks want to hear. I got a list. It's going to be one of my favorite parts of all true crime haunted fucking areas. A listing of names. Uh, but I'll try to keep it interesting. So in 1927, the first recorded death at the hotel was 52-year-old Percy Ormond Cook in 1927. Um, in January of that year, he took his own life after falling out with his wife and child. He was unable to reconcile the differences. So he killed himself. That's what happens. Uh, 1931, W.K. Norton. Four years later, there was another death. A man called James Willis checked in and a week later was found dead in his room. A week later. Let me say that again. That's... Uh, Great housekeeping. And he was found dead in his room and identified as actually being 46-year-old W.K. Norton. 1932, Benjamin Dottich. In September of 1932, a member of the cleaning staff found 25-year-old Benjamin Dottich after he had taken his own life in his room. 34, we talked about Louis Borden. Uh, 1937, uh, Grace Margot fell from the hotel's ninth-story window, though she initially survived. After her fall was broken by telephone wires, she died in the hospital. The next year, 1938, Roy Thompson, who had been a Cecil resident for a number of weeks, jumped from the top floor and was found on a neighboring building. In May of 1939, 39-year-old Navy officer Erwin Neblett died in his room. In 1940, teacher Dorothy Seeger was staying at the hotel when she died in her room. Uh, we talked about the woman giving birth, uh, so let's skip to 1947. In November of 47, Robert Smith died after jumping from a seventh-floor window, age 35. 1954, October, Margaret Brown checked into the hotel. A week later, she died after jumping again from the seventh floor. She was later identified as being, in fact, 55-year-old Helen Gurney. On February 11, 1962, Julia Frances Moore, age 50, jumped from the window of her 8th floor room. In 1962, again, a young woman called Pauline Otten had been fighting with her husband Dewey on the 9th floor. She jumped out of the window to teach the guy a lesson. She landed on a pedestrian, George Giannini, and they were both killed instantly. It's-a me, a Georgia Giannini. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay, I'm Italian, too. In 1964, Goldie Osgood lived in the Cecil Hotel. Her nickname was Pigeon Goldie, as she would regularly come out and feed the local pigeons. She was very well known in the area, and one day somebody came into her room, attacked her in broad daylight, sexually assaulted her, and murdered her. 
This one's interesting to me. On December 20th, 1975, a woman who was thought to be age 23 jumped from the 12th floor. She had registered at the hotel December 16th under the name of Allison Lowell, but her real identity still is unknown. So let's talk a little bit more about Jack Untwinger. In 91, he checked into the Cecil. He was writing a story about the red light district in Los Angeles. Writing a story, air quotes. Skid Row, like I said, where the hotel is located, is known, known for being a sex... Uh, fucking Jesus Christ. Is, knowing, is known for being a hotspot for sex workers. Untwinger was investigating this in the area. And even went on drive-alongs with the police. He would regularly engage with police and sex workers. He even had sex workers come and visit him in his room at the Cecil. He was becoming a well-known face in the area. Some would say a local celebrity. I would not say that. Unbeknownst to everybody, Untwinger is a convicted killer and rapist in Australia in 74. In Australia, he was sentenced over the sexual assault and murder of a young woman. He was released in the 1990s and almost instantly in the same area he was living, women began going missing and being found dead. He was the main suspect in these crimes, so he fled to America. The murder stopped in... Oh, my mistake, in Austria, not Australia. I can't fucking read. The murder stopped in Austria and picked up in Los Angeles. In 1992, police caught Untwinger in Miami after tracing his credit card. Amateur fuck. He was eventually extradited to Austria. Despite maintaining his innocence, he was found guilty of nine murders, and just hours after his sentence, he hanged himself in a cell age 43. On September 1st of 1992, the body of an African-American man was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Police say he had either fallen, jumped, or been pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. He's never been identified, but he's thought to have been in his 20s. Great policing, guys. Jesus. The hotel manager from the Cecil claims from 2007 to 2017 that there were at least 80 deaths at the Cecil or on the grounds, which is a pretty fucking high number. I don't know if I believe that shit. But we'll have more for you after the break. Wake up in the morning, drop a big old log out here. You ain't got time for nothing fruity like a jog. Marry a fat bitch and die working like a dog. Cowboys in the heartland, bankers in the city. We love cars, guns, and big old plastic. Let's grab a case with piss while sir and drink for the USA. Woo! Hey neighbors, I'm sorry we're partying real much. You ought to speak English if you like it here so much. Not Spanish or Chinese or British. They're fucking Dutch. Fuck the Dutch. I say yeah, we're gonna keep them illegals out. Guns and piss sir. That's my national right. Pisswasser, German fighting logger for export only. Fly US, now serving 42 new destinations worldwide. 
Travel like a real man again. Drunk and waited on by depressed women at 35,000 feet. Fly U.S. Sit back, relax, and shut up. All right, so this attention-seeking bitch of a manager claims that from 2007 to 2017, there were 80 deaths. I don't know how she got 80 from two or three, but apparently she doesn't count very well. I hope bookkeeping wasn't in her fucking wheelhouse of skills. Ugh. Can't stand people like that. Like the next-door neighbors of the fucking serial killer next door. Oh my god, he was the nicest guy. I hate you. I hate you. But anyways, on to my theory. I think with any building that has withstood the test of time and is almost a hundred years old and has been around for tumultuous times in history, there's going to be no shortage of fucking awful deaths and grisly shit that's happened there. With There's some exceptions, obviously, but take buildings that were built in the, ni- built in the 1920s. Oftentimes, they have a bit of a darker history than the Hyatt down the street. At least one that's been publicized. Uh, And that's because of the times that they were built. Like Suicide Bridge in Pasadena is another famous fucking ghost idiot adventure spot. It's a bridge that is nicknamed Suicide Bridge. Kind of how some of my friends used to call the Cecil Hotel the suicide. Because people jumped off it during the depressions. I, I know of a person that... I know a guy whose wife jumped off it. it. People jump off the fucking bridge a lot. It's it's a it's a long drop and a hard fall. So it's a, like any bridge. It's a it's a great place for people that have lost hope to go for the permanent solution to their temporary problems. Just like the Cecil Hotel is. I don't think it's a fucking paranormal portal. Which a lot of people push that theory about mainly Suicide Bridge, but also about the Cecil Hotel. I don't think it's a the hotel from Ghostbusters. Another gate to hell or some weird shit. I just think it's an old building that stood the test of time, and it's also in a shitty part of town with dirt cheap fucking room, so it's going to attract a bit of a dubious clientele. If you're charging $15 a night in the in a part of town where up to 10,000 homeless people can live at a time, you're not always going to have the most savory of people or people that are doing well in life staying there. Sure, there's going to be the occasional tourist that gets caught up in some shit. Maybe. Uh, Or people that don't know any better. But if your clientele is predominantly people that are down and out, then you're going to get the problems that come with that. Such as people getting killed over drugs, people getting thrown out of windows, people running out of shit, running out of money and jumping out of a window. Or, even earlier, guys coming back from the war that just couldn't readjust to the society and they're down on their luck, maybe having a hard time finding a job. It all fits together. It makes perfect sense. Um, Like I said earlier, not to belabor the point, but the veteran suicide rates are alarming. And uh, I imagine that during the Depression, post-World War I, guys just getting out of the service would have had an extremely hard time finding jobs. A lot of people did. And uh, served your country for, for what? I mean, obviously, there's a reason that they did it, but the thought process is, no one's hiring me, What's what was the fucking point of all that? And it's a pretty quick downward spiral, and if you're just sitting at home, or not at home, but in your hotel alone and looking out the window, a lot of guys and a lot of young women wouldn't want to feel that way anymore, and that's not their fault. But 
to call this place a paranormal hotspot and portal to the beyond, I think is a bit much. Maybe it's haunted. I don't, I don't, you guys know me. I'm a bitter skeptic, but eh, maybe, maybe not. I believe that, uh, the energy that people put out comes back to it. So if people are going there looking for haunted shit, then they're going to be more receptive to seeing haunted shit. You know what I mean? Like when you go on a ghost tour and you see something that you can't explain in a picture, and since you were on a ghost tour, you're more inclined to write it off as I got a picture of a ghost rather than I can't hold a camera steady in the dark. I know that's not what a lot of you guys want to hear about it, but uh, that's how I feel. I think it's just... the bad amalgamation of a bunch of shit and it all just kind of happened in that area because it was so low income and the prices there were so fucking cheap it makes sense like think about you at your poorest and the time in your life when you had the least opportunity in front of you you had barely any money you were wondering where your next meal is going to come from maybe not all of you but I'm sure a lot of you can relate to what I'm saying you're working for minimum wage not making ends meet couldn't find a place to stay, staying where you could, and then uh, staying in the worst part of town for $75 a night, and uh, your options are limited. I mean, everyone not everyone's been there, but a lot of people have been there, and I'm no stranger to depression, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners aren't either, just based on the fact that you can stomach my fucking humor. And... Uh, that's really what what I think it is. If anything, it's a magnet for people that are down and out because it had low prices. It was in an area that was already for people that were kind of on the skids, hence the name. And uh, that's my take on it. But I could be wrong. Maybe it's a portal to the fucking beyond, but I don't think so. I think it can be logically explained. The Eliza Lamb thing, it's weird, but... Mental illness is weird to people that aren't going through what that person's going through, so we can look at that video as relatively clear-minded, sober people of, you know, a rational thought process and see her jerky movements and her hiding in the corner as being coerced or like she's under duress, but if she'd been slipped drugs or taken something she didn't fully understand what it was and then... You know, you know, some of you guys know how that goes. You get lost in an elevator or stuck in a bathroom just tripping your balls off. It happens. Then you get on the roof and get lost and want to look at the city lights because you think it'll be pretty and you fall in the water tank. I mean, I don't think I've ever been that drunk or fucking messed up, but I'm sure some of you guys have. It, it all kind of writes itself. I think there's a logical thought process, but... And I also don't want to believe that somebody just murdered a fucking little girl tourist in cold blood, but there are some sick people out there. But that's the end of my take on it. Thank you all for listening. I know this has been a short episode, so we're going to get some stats and then I'm going to let you go. But I appreciate you guys' listenership, genuinely. And we're going to take a quick break before the stats. In San Andreas, we recycle everything, including the tired old adage that we're going to pull ourselves out of this financial shithole. But you can pull yourself out of your financial situation by donating your car to an unspecified, ambiguous charity. It's shipped to China to be disassembled by children who go blind from mercury exposure while you get a healthy tax write-off. We rip off charities while you rip off Uncle Sam by massively overvaluing 
that rust bucket in your tax returns. And everyone's the winner. Donate your car today. Fleesa means convenience like never before. Soon, you'll always be within 50 feet of a Fleesa Bank ATM. We won't stop until we're on every corner in Los Santos, Liberty City, and every other major metropolitan area. But why stop there? We're putting Fleesa ATMs everywhere. The dentist office, family planning clinics, adult novelty shops, funeral homes, and children's wards. Call today, and we'll even put an ATM in your bedroom to spice things up. Stop by Fleesa Bank and learn more about our range of services that weren't possible until we lobbied for deregulation. Fleesa, credit cards, banking, brokerage. It's time to start paying for everything. All right, guys. So the top 10 countries of listenership in order. The United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, Germany, New Zealand, the Bahamas, India, Ireland, and Pakistan. Thank you all very much. And the top 10 cities in order of listenership. New York, New York, Raleigh, North Carolina, Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Los Angeles, California, San Antonio, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Garner, North Carolina, uh, fuck me, Frankfurt, M. Maine, Hasse, <laughs> I'm just going to say Frankfurt, thank you very much, and Chicago, Illinois. All right, guys, I appreciate you listening, and I will have another episode out soon, I promise. Thank you. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me, please do so by going to Instagram.com slash Duke, D-U-K-E, Landis, L-A-N-D-I-S, 1-7. I do love hearing from you guys, so please don't hesitate to reach out. That is Instagram.com, Instagram.com, Jesus Christ, slash Duke, Landis, 17. Please message me if you have any comments, questions, concerns, if you're interested in the unique one-of-a-kind anthology of horror Ouija boards, please message me on there and we can talk about shipping and whatnot. Also, you can go to Patreon if you would like to uh, support the show, put in an episode request, go to patreon.com slash anthologyofhorror.com. No, patreon.com slash anthologyofhorror. Thank you. And until next time, you crazy motherfuckers, stay spooky.